And welcome to the studio, everyone. You are listening to Small Biz Matters on Triple H and across Australia on the Community Radio Network. My name, of course, is Alexi Boyd, your local small business expert, advocate and lover of all things admin. Thank you for joining me again this week. Uh, just a quick recap on anybody who's missed the last couple of shows. We've had some fantastic guests over the last few weeks ingratiating us with huge amounts of small business education. In particular, let me highlight to you, um, we had someone from Cisco coming out last week talking all about cybersecurity. Now, that was a really important program because it helped us as small businesses to understand what the risk is, where the uh, danger may be coming from and what we can do, which may not necessarily be hugely expensive, to protect ourselves in terms of cybersecurity. So that was Steve Moros, who is the head of cybersecurity for Cisco. And it's really nice to have the big boys joining us here on Small Biz Matters to help educate us. There's also been a myriad of other expertise. We had, of course, Michelle Archer, who's our local expert, talking about employment law, the casualisation of the workforce, and how you can make sure that you're understanding um, the changing nature of employment around uh, those that you employ. So today we are talking to the illustrious Matt Keane, MP, local member for Hornsby and Minister for Innovation and Better Regulation. Thank you for joining us on the program. What an introduction. I'll come on this program anytime. Did I take a breath? like that. No, it was very impressive. <laughs> uh, thank you. Well, it's only been... Well, I'm just excited to be with the illustrious Alexi it's Boyd. Five, it's five years in May, Matt. Five years of Small Biz Matters in May. So I'd like to thank you firstly for supporting the program because you and I, we have our, our little networking nights. Little, what am I talking about? They're massive. There's like 140 the people in the room. networking night in the, in, uh, on the North Shore, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So thanks for that. And um, it's great to be partnering with you on a number of um, issues, levels, um, concerns. And I'm looking forward to talking to you about a number of those today. Because, of course, there's this little thing coming up in your world called an election. 18 days. Eight, ooh, <laughs> sounds awful. Not that anyone's counting. <laughs> no, only the people who are who are organising their democracy sausage barbecues are counting. Yes. Apart from the politicians. It's so the highlight of election day, obviously. Don't forget, everyone, bring your cash, bring your money, go and support your local school, find a school that's doing a democracy sausage day and make sure that you um, eat well. Well, I've got 25 democracy sausages to eat as I <laughs> venture around the 25 polling booths. Wow. Are there 25 in the electorate? 25 polling booths in the Hornsby electorate. Uh-huh. Um, mostly public schools, obviously, but there's a few community centres and whatnot. And uh, the electorate's a pretty big one for Sydney. It's um, going from Penna Hills in the south right up to the Hawkesbury River in the north, and then from Wurrungar in the east right across to Arcadia in the Have west of the Shire. the pre-polling booths opened yet? No, they open next week on okay. the 11th. So Not that we should that- advertise those because I want everyone to go to their local school and support their local school. And buy not, their sausage, not to pre, Not to pre-vote. But for those people that might be going away or mm. have difficulty getting to a polling booth on the 23rd of March, uh, then there's uh, pre-polling available. Uh, the pre-polling's car- it's going to be on George Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, uh, you can jump on the New South Wales Electoral Commission website to get all the details for that. So Excellent. usually it's, uh, so it's starting from the 11th. It's from 9 till 5. And I think it's open on Saturday, the Saturday before for the election as well, um, but just check the New South Wales Electoral Commission to get the details on that. Well, thanks for that top tip. <laughs> Pleasure. Are you concerned? Concerned about being on Small Biz Matters? No. The different are you questions con- you're going to ask me? Are you concerned about the election? Um, I'm just concerned about making sure that I get out there and uh, tell the community about my positive plan for the area mm-hmm. um, so that they've got all the information they need to make an assessment when they go into the ballot box. Excellent. Well, let's talk a little bit about that because sure. uh, we're going to talk about some small business issues, particularly in and around the area as well. But just in, in, in terms of your portfolio, because that's really important. 
Minister for Better Regulation, you are the first of your kind. Um, you're leading the way. It would be obviously nice if, if that position continues because it is a very important one in terms of innovation and, and growth in that space. So let's talk about, um, you know, you've improved regulation. You've come on the show before and talked about how the Liberal government is, is looking to cut red tape at the state level. But um, what, what are you hoping to change coming moving forward in the next couple of years if you were to come back into government well we know that small business is the engine room of the new south wales economy in fact it's the largest employer in the state so it's a critical part of uh, this state and that's why we want to do everything we can to support small businesses i've done that as the minister for innovation and better regulation and uh, i did that through the introduction of my better business reforms last year Uh, the better business reforms were all about cutting red tape for small businesses and cutting the taxes that they paid As a result of these reforms, we've saved small businesses in the Hornsby area and right across New South Wales about half a billion dollars over the next decade in lower fees, less red tape and more opportunities for them. So it's a huge win. I think that that was just the start, though. We identified a number of trades, for example, where they were paying far too much in administrative fees and taxes to government. We slashed them. Um, We want to do that more broadly for other small businesses and other businesses across the state. Are you talking about the licensing regulations and um, qualifications that they require? What what, what is it that's being cut down? Well, that was just one area. So there were 27 trades we identified where we've slashed the licensing fees that they paid. So uh, a lot of those trades paid up to $600 dollars a year uh, to just have a license from fair trading we've slashed that down to fifty dollars so it's a once uh, once off administration fee that they'll pay that will save them about 27 million dollars over the next 10 years and that was just one of the reforms where we made life better and fairer for small businesses in this state and you're looking to roll out out across other sectors yeah so what we're doing is currently working with other areas other sectors other trades to work out how we can slash red tape and how we can cut their taxes. We won't do anything, though, that will undermine consumer confidence in those industries or um, open it up to unfair competition. So when I say unfair competition, unregulated uh, workers coming into the industry that don't have the skills or qualifications, particularly in areas where it could pose a safety risk for individuals. Who do you talk to when you make those decisions? Do you talk to professional bodies? Do you talk to the workers themselves? Who, who are you actually consulting with when you make those decisions? Alexi, all of the above. So we talk to people on the front line, small businesses, industry groups. Uh, We try and engage with all the stakeholder groups. Now, there's obviously a diversity of opinion in the community about, um, you know, whether or not some licences or some taxes are beneficial. Uh, That's why we consulted very broadly before we landed where we did. In fact, I put out a discussion paper. Um, That discussion paper got a lot of feedback, positive and negative feedback, when it came to cutting some of the licences. We proposed removing some licensing schemes altogether. And uh, the reason we did the discussion paper, because it did flesh out a lot of the issues and it meant that we could um, canvas the opinion of those affected by our decisions before we actually made them. And that's what good government does. It uh, canvases widely, it discusses things before it implements policy. And I think that as a result of that process, we got a pretty good policy, which is actually going to make life better and fairer for small businesses in this state. Let's talk about something a little bit closer to home now. So back in November 18, uh, Gladys Berejiklian announced that specialist teams were helping to resolve problems encountered by small business during the construction of major infrastructure projects across the state. Under the changes, small businesses will be provided with key information and options that will help and support that they can access where necessary specialist case officers appointed by agencies as a key point of contact. So if we think about our area of Sydney in particular, like major infrastructure like the North Connects, it has has a huge 
huge impact and disruption to small businesses. I know that businesses in the Beecroft community in particular have already addressed their concern, uh, had their concerns aired in a very various forms, but I'm not sure whether or not they feel as though it is being heard. So can, can you give me a couple of examples of is this going to continue as the rollout of these major infrastructure projects happen? Because I, I was watching on the news the other night, uh, there was a particular podiatry um, and, and a number of businesses that had been acquired and they, the stress that they went under and it seemed as though the consultation process just wasn't adequate because they were extremely stressed. They're watching their businesses being sucked out from underneath them. And I know we can take the greater good attitude, but for those businesses and, and those families and the communities that they're in, that's a huge impact. So can you just explain to me what um, uh, Premier Berejiklian was saying in regards to that and, and how that's going to... Is that going to continue or is that just sort of like something that's just been mentioned for the purposes of the election? Well, let me be very clear. Consultation is key and that's what this government has been all about, engaging with communities, understanding the issues before we go and make policy. Now, these are big infrastructure projects which have a massive impact on so many people. Uh, North Connects is no different. I mean, this is a huge project which will remove about 40,000 cars a day off Penny Hills Road and 5,000 trucks. It'll improve uh, congestion, uh, improve travel times and it will ultimately make our community a lot safer. So there's enormous benefit from doing that. But there are people that, um, you know, will have to, will, are experiencing some pain, uh, some short-term pain uh, for that overall long-term gain. So I guess what the Premier said is that she's conducted a review or she's asked Glenn King, who's the Customer Service Commissioner in New South Wales, to review a whole range of processes about how government engages with small businesses, impacts particularly by major infrastructure projects. Uh, that review hasn't been released yet, but it's about... Uh, getting the learnings out of these major projects uh, so that we can uh, do things better with the next wave of infrastructure that's been rolled out. So the government said that we'll be investing $87 billion in new infrastructure projects over the next four years. So yes, we've got West Connects underway. Yes, we've got North Connects underway. We're rebuilding this entire state, but we'll be investing in new projects uh, that will cause disruption. And we need to minimise that disruption as much as possible, which is why Glenn King has been making recommendations to government as to what the learnings were from these existing infrastructure projects. Did you talk to the light rail people on George Street about those learnings? Well, I mean... Absolutely. I mean, the, the businesses on George Street are some of those that have been affected by these infrastructure projects. And I know the Transport Minister is doing everything that he can. I don't think it's just the businesses. I think the whole of Sydney's been affected well, by that infrastructure project. Absolutely. I mean, these are major uh, infrastructure projects that cause huge disruption to businesses and to individuals. Uh, we understand that. And it's about making sure that we minimise that as much as possible. I know that the Transport Minister has been working with those small businesses to provide them adequate compensation uh, to get it right. Have we got it right all the time? Well, uh, we probably could have done better in some instances. That doesn't mean we shouldn't strive to do better. So uh, that's something that we're looking to address. The Premier's obviously got this review underway so that we can do things better in the next wave of infrastructure that will be rolled out. So there will be consultation panels, there will be adequate consultation and people will feel as though they're being, um, you know, subsidised if their businesses are going under? Well, as they should be. I mean, if there are businesses out there that are affected by these major infrastructure projects, there is a process in place to make sure that they're compensated appropriately. Uh, not just compensated appropriately, if their business has to be acquired. I mean, I chaired the review of compulsory acquisitions and land valuations in this state and made a number of recommendations which now require, which the government has implemented and now put 
additional protections in place for those businesses. So they're now afforded procedural fairness. They have to get fair market value for their properties um, and they can't be overridden by governments on a whim. So uh, we've put a lot of protections in place. Is there more to do? Well, that's exactly what this review is about, to identify those additional things that we can do to protect small businesses, to protect individuals that are disrupted from these major infrastructure projects. But let me just make it very clear, Alexi, you know, Uh, These are huge projects. We are rebuilding this state for the benefit of every single citizen. Uh, Will some people experience some short-term pain? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. But there is a price for rebuilding this city and making it a modern international city that will benefit every single citizen of this state. Mm, I I would argue that short-term pain shouldn't equate to taking a business completely out of business, which has occurred. Well, that's exactly why we have compensation schemes in place to compensate people that um, are affected by uh, infrastructure disruption and also when it comes to compulsory acquisitions, making sure that those businesses or those individuals are afforded procedural fairness and that they can get a fair price uh, that is appropriate and at market value. So if businesses have got any concerns about these infrastructure projects that are happening in their area, you've mentioned the the transport minister's department, you've mentioned your department, where do they go to seek um, any assistance? Well, there's a process with regard to compulsory acquisitions whereby the value or general uh, is required to uh, provide... Uh, yeah, but which number do they call when uh, you're running a small business? Well, if it's in this local area, they can call my office number at 94763411 and we'll put them in touch with the right agency. It depends on what the project is and who the responsible authority is. Um, as I said, come through my office and we'll refer them to the appropriate part of government. Well, you heard it here on Small Biz Matters. If you've got a problem, you can just call Matt. <laughs> so... So let's talk about another issue here because this is something that keeps cropping up. I know that um, um, Angela Vitkoulis and the Small Business Party are really running with this quite a lot for the election, which is payroll tax. It's a massive burden to business and I think it's a bit, in my opinion, as as in my profession, I believe it's quite counterintuitive to be penalising businesses who are growing. So you take on more staff, you hit a certain threshold and all of a sudden you've got this quite large tax and I might say quite a cumbersome process of trying to calculate what that tax is um, in addition to the tax you're already paying at a federal level. So is there any plans to provide any alleviation for these taxes moving forward? Well, uh, not only are there plans, there's actually real action. In the last budget, we increased the payroll tax threshold from $750,000 to a million dollars, which means that a business will now no longer have to pay payroll tax until they hit turnover of a million dollars. That's a huge win for local small businesses that are looking to scale and um, are looking to grow. I mean, you know, why should people be penalised for employing people and growing our economy? Right now, in New South Wales, we have the lowest unemployment rate in the country, 3.9%. I mean, you know, New South Wales is the powerhouse of the economy. And the reason we've got that is because we've cut taxes and made it easier for businesses to thrive. So we'll continue to focus on that. I know the Premier's got the Productivity Commission looking at what we can do to reduce payroll tax further. We're currently working through those issues. But let me be very clear on this program. Small business is the engine room of this economy. This government is absolutely committed to supporting small business. We've done it through our better business reforms. We've cut half a billion dollars for small businesses over the next decade. We've done it by reducing the threshold for or increasing the threshold for payroll tax in this state. This government is absolutely committed to making it easier for businesses to get ahead, to scale up and to grow our economy. 
if the Liberal government comes back into power, is there a timeline to be examining and reassessing the payroll tax situation? Well, that's happening right now. But one thing that is very clear, if a Labor government is elected into New South Wales, they have already said that they will cancel tax cuts for small business in New South Wales. And that puts jobs and opportunity at risk for every single citizen of this state. So there is a clear contrast uh, in the policies of the two major parties going into this election when it comes to small business. One wants to grow our economy, cut taxes and cut red tape. The other wants to get rid of those tax cuts and make it harder for small businesses to do what they do best, grow our economy. Well, we will be having the Labor candidate on the show next week, so I'll be putting those questions to her to see what her Labor government plans to do if they were to kind of come into power. So let's talk about um, your role as a Minister for Innovation and this is something we have discussed a number of times on this show and I'm going to bang on about it and I'm not going to stop chewing your off about it. I believe that these Centres for Innovation, these co-working spaces, these collaborative spaces seem to be all located in the inner city suburbs and they are a wonderful space for collaboration, for working together, for using free meeting rooms and free spaces even just to get together for a coffee but also to grow your business and be surrounded by other like-minded businesses. Right now we have a dinky little admin hubs going on once a month where businesses come and work for half a day in a collaborative space. When is are you as a Minister for Innovation in your own backyard going to look at offering this opportunity to local small businesses? You know how many businesses are registered in Hornsby. Why is it that we can't look at having the similar space here, even in a fledgling form, and look at collaborating better and working together? Well, the key thing with innovation is collaboration, as you so rightly said. And when you think of innovation, you actually think of Silicon Valley, you think of Tel Aviv, you think of no, places don't. that are precincts. I don't. I think of innovation. Well, I think of businesses being innovative in their own right and innovative in the way that they work no, together. No doubt about that. But let me just come back to this. You know, Silicon Valley is known throughout the world as an innovation hub, as is Tel Aviv. Those things are precincts. What are precincts? They're where you bring together all the actors in the innovation ecosystem. So that means your businesses, your academics, government, all working together to generate ideas. So the government sees the opportunity of bringing together all the actors in the innovation ecosystem into one place. That's why we've recently announced the tech precinct in the Sydney CBD. So that will be a huge space bringing together you know, all the actors in one place. We've set up the Sydney Startup Hub, for example, a $30 million investment, as you said, bringing together entrepreneurs with venture capital, with government, all under the one roof. And as a result of that um, Startup Hub, we've now got 480 startups working under the one roof in Wynyard, employing over 2,500 people. So we want to see when people think of innovation, they don't just think Silicon Valley, Tel Aviv. I want them thinking Sydney. Now, to your point... Why isn't this being rolled out in Hornsby? Well, we want to see this rolled out right across the state. Innovation just doesn't occur in the Sydney CBD. It occurs everywhere. So we need to be providing the infrastructure and support for small businesses to be able to do what I talked about. Take an idea, turn it into jobs, growth and opportunity, scale it and hopefully sell their IP to the rest of the world. Um, So we are looking to roll these projects out, these startup hubs, these precincts uh, right across New South Wales, Uh, whether it be in the city. uh, We've announced recently we'll be doing one at Lucas Heights around the nuclear reactor. We wanted to have uh, precincts of specialisation right around this state, creating opportunities for small businesses to scale and grow. So at the moment you've mentioned Sydney, you've mentioned Wynyard. You mentioned CBD and Lucas Heights. 
is there any plan to bring these to the outer suburbs of Sydney? I know we've got one in Gosford and it's flourishing, but why is there no plan to put it around the outer skirts of Sydney? If if you want people to work closer to home, be um, active closer to home, connect with people that are closer to their home so that they can build relationships and not have to use this infrastructure too heavily to move in and out of the city, um, is there any plan to put outer suburbs with these hubs if you're rolling them out across the the whole state? Well, um, in order to see innovation thrive in this state, it's not just about hubs and it's not just about physical infrastructure. It's a whole range of things. So, for example, uh, we need to be creating a taxation and regulatory environment which enables small businesses to be able to scale and grow. Uh, That's exactly what we're doing. So it's not just about hubs. Yes, we will look at that for the Upper North Shore and the Hornsby region, the Hills area, uh, but we'll also be looking at a suite of policies that will turbocharge innovation in this state. They look like tax cuts for small business. They look like uh, removing uh, red tape. They look like also uh, protecting people's IP when they come up with new ideas and new products. I mean, we've got a business that I met with recently in Hornsby that's doing some incredible stuff in medicinal marijuana. I want to see those guys uh, setting up shop here, growing, employing local people and taking their IP to the rest of the world. So this is not just about creating a hub, as you said. They're important. It's also about creating a playing field, a regulatory environment, a taxation environment, which enables those businesses to stay here in Australia, stay here in Hornsby, grow scale and export their IP to the rest of the world. And that's exactly what we're doing. So it's a a formation of policy and legislation and ideas around cutting red tape as well as the physical infrastructure. It's a whole suite of measures to encourage innovation to thrive. My vision is that not only Hornsby, but New South Wales becomes the innovation capital of Australia and the whole Asia-Pacific region. And for that to happen, we need communities like Hornsby and uh, Karingai and the hills and the central coast all seeing innovation thriving in their communities. The way we'll do that is by creating the right physical environment. So setting up things like hubs, as you said. So we're looking to roll those out right across the state. It's also about creating the right regulatory environment where we protect people's IP. We remove unnecessary red tape. Let let me give you a perfect example. I mean, drone technology can't be, uh, you know, it can only be accessed in certain areas. Uh, We need to make sure that... uh, people are able to, if people want to be starting drone businesses or, um, you know, driverless cars, that would create the right playing field for that to occur. So um, we're looking at those things. Technology is evolving at an exponential rate and government is really bad at responding uh, to uh, the putting in place the regulations that they need quickly. We need to be adaptable, we need to be flexible, we need to be responsive to the emerging technologies so that they can grow here in Australia, hopefully in our backyard of Hornsby, and uh, you know, hopefully our entrepreneurs can take it to the rest of the world. We've got some of the best entrepreneurs in this country. We've got some of the best research coming out of our universities. In fact, Australia's in the top three when it comes to entrepreneurs and research coming out of our universities, but we're not in the top 30 when it comes to the commercialisation of that research and seeing those entrepreneurs turn those uh, ideas into commercial opportunities. So we need to bridge that gap. And it's not going to occur by just focusing money in the city. It's going to ensure, it's going to occur by encouraging businesses in areas like ours to thrive and scale. Well, I hope that those uh, those actually turn into fruition and we do see some some changes and developments happening in our area in terms of a physical space. I think that's very important. And not just in terms of the uh, the nature of collaboration, but also for your own backyard and, and the people who work here in their mental health. It's really important that we all get out of our in, inner 
in a working spaces inside our homes and get out and start collaborating, working with other individuals. From a mental health perspective, that's very important. I know that that's something that's very close to you and, and Julie and Lisa's heart. Yeah, no, abs- absolutely. Um, so we want to see innovation become the, uh, I, I guess, the business plan for New South Wales. We want that to differentiate us from every other state in Australia, but also in the Asia-Pacific region. We can do it. We've got the people. We need to create a playing field for that to thrive. I don't want to see more businesses setting up shop here and then going, it's too hard in Australia, it's too hard in New South Wales, there's too much red tape, there's too much tax, so I'll go offshore. That's taking jobs offshore. That's taking opportunities offshore. I want to see those businesses setting up here, scaling up here and growing to give our local entrepreneurs, our local businesses, the opportunities to succeed. Well, it'll be interesting to see how you do that in a how sense in the next couple of years, Matt. Uh, look, good luck. Oh, sorry, I'm not allowed to say that. I'm like, <laughs> chookers, break a leg uh, for 18 days' time. Uh, we hope you get some sleep in the meantime. Thank you very much for coming on Small Biz Matters. It's been a pleasure having you, and thank you for answering all of our questions. If you've got a question that you'd like to ask Matt, feel free to shoot it through to the Small Biz Matters Facebook page. And, of course, if you missed any of today's interview, it will be live in the next one or two days on smallbizmatters.com.au. Keep hitting it to the politicians. Keep asking those hard questions. Thanks for joining me, everyone, and we will see you all next Tuesday at 9am for Small Biz Matters on Triple H and across the community radio network.